Welcome to the ADHD Book Club Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ashley. I'm the other host, Corey. Yep, that's me. Corey, do you like this intro? Yeah, this is great. This this works for me. Do you want to be introduced like a hyperactive podcast type every time or just like every once in a while? I think we should just mix it up. I think whatever is in our hearts at the moment we start recording. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was in my heart. I'm not really sure where it came from, but <laughs> here we are. Here we are. This is a podcast. This episode, we read Stardust by Neil Gaiman. Did you finish it? I did. Amazing. So did I. It was lovely. It was. I really liked it. There's also a movie, as we've discussed at length every time I try to pitch Stardust as the book that we're going to read for an episode. Corey, had you seen the uh, movie already? I forget. Yes, but it had been a long time. I actually realized I had read this before also, like as I was listening to it. I was like, oh yeah, I know this. But it's been a long time for both of them. Do you want to start with your summary or shall I just kick it off with mine? (laughs) I don't know. I know at some point we talked about taking turns, but I have no idea whose turn it is. I kind of think it's your turn, but not 100% positive. I say you start then. All right. A boy goes into the fairy kingdom to retrieve a falling star for the girl he's in love with and returns as a man. (laughs) (laughs) It is a fairy kingdom, isn't it? It is. Yeah, they refer to it as the fairy multiple times, don't they? What? I don't know. I might have ADHD'd that out of me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that we can be genuinely surprised about things that happened in a book we just read. I'm going to be very honest and tell you, the listener, that we have had a couple breaks, which means I finished reading Stardust a couple weeks ago. And therefore don't remember it as much as I'd like to. Maybe when we start talking about it, it'll jog my memory. It had a different name, The Land. It was not, it may, I mean, it was, it could have been fairy. I don't remember what it was. Did it have a name? Like a name name? Yeah. Like, okay. Stardust. I mean, look, I finished it a week ago also. Oh, the magical fantasy kingdom is Stormhold. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. And it could be a fairy realm. It doesn't matter. I don't know why I care. I guess I assumed Stormhold was like not the whole kingdom. I assumed that Stormhold was like the one specific place that one king was from. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like how Rob is the king in the north in Game of Thrones, but he's not like the fucking king. Yeah. Like that was what I assumed. Yeah. But I don't know. Like it's not well described. There's not like tons of lore about the fantasy world. It's it's sort of just background. This is true. And this is a complaint that I will have later when we get into it. Oh, interesting. Okay. My summary. A young man from the small town of Wall, built near a wall, promises to retrieve a fallen star for his love. He gets far more than he bargained for when he crosses into the magical lands beyond the wall, discovering that the fallen star was not what it seemed and that he wasn't the only one after it. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> Both of them sound right. Yeah. You did it. You read the book, too. <laughs> I read the book, too. I mean, honestly, pretty simple premise here. I guess, shall we get into it? Spoiler on three? Yeah, on three. One. Two. Three. Spoiler. Hell Yeah. It's like my favorite part. I'm not sure why. But now anytime someone says spoiler, like, I don't want to give you a spoiler or like spoiler, my brain goes spoiler. It's a spoiler. It's spoiler alert. Spoiler. I don't know if nothing comes of this podcast, at least we have coined spoiler. Yeah, we have that. I'm going to get it tattooed on my neck. (laughs) No regrets. No regrets. That's that's from a movie. I can't really quote movies, but I can quote that for some reason. Do you know what movie that's from? Yeah, it's from We're the Millers. Have I done this before? Have, I, have we already talked about this? No, I just know that because <laughs> I secretly like that movie, even though I think it's probably not very good. I feel like I remember having a fun time watching it, but I always think about that. No regrets. That is probably the funniest joke in the whole thing. Maybe we'll do an episode on a movie one day and watch We're the Millers. (laughs) There we go. We'll do a special Patreon-only bonus episode on We're the Millers. (laughs) Where Ashley watches every movie like it's the first time she's ever seen it, no matter what. (laughs) Perfect. So leave now if you've never watched the movie or read the book and you don't want to be spoiled. 
If you don't care, please stay. If you have read the book or watched the movie, please stay. I feel like also this is not a book that you can really heavily spoil. It's not no. reliant on no. some sort of like big plot twist. It's not a very plotty book. No. It's, you know, it's a fairy tale. It was designed as a fairy tale. It's like a charming story. We we spoke off the pod recently about how episode four feels a little bit slight because we just like the book and don't have a lot to say about it. And I was a little bit worried that maybe this is another example of, oh, I just like this book. and I don't know if I have a lot to say about it. But like, it is interesting. It's very interesting how Neil Gaiman seems to have like a really solid grasp on fairy tale tropes Mm. and everything sort of plays out the way you would assume having grown up listening to fairy tales but it's still like very charming it's still like a nice and fun story yeah and and any any sort of like reveals that happen you're like oh of course of course that's what happened because that's how these stories work yeah at least that's mostly how I felt about it I agree with that. Um, It was lovely. It was written in 1999. So you can imagine that it does fill a lot of those those classic fairy tale tropes. It's cute, though. And it is fun. There are like little surprising things. Like obviously, if you've read it, you'll know that it's not just a falling star. A star is a human like person, which is cute. It's kind of those little twists. And part of that is because they're in like the magic kingdom, right? Because the end sort of hinges on she would turn into like a you know a dust lump of rock stardust if you will yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> if she crossed over into the real world into the other world okay stormhold is just as real to this book that's that's fair all right fair enough <laughs> I did the audio version. Uh, I didn't realize until the end that Neil Gaiman was actually reading it to us and very lovely as a narrator for this book. I also thoroughly enjoyed the little music underneath it sometimes, like little magical music. Did you hear that or were you listening at it too fast? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm sure that I heard it. It didn't like stand out to me. That's usually good because usually overproduced audiobooks with like a lot of like sound cues or music start to irritate me. Yeah, this is just gentle, magical music. The only audiobooks that have like a lot of production that don't do that for me are the like Star Wars audiobooks. There are some of the Star Wars audiobooks that have like the like original music from the movies, the sound effects from the movies. It's kind of cool. It's fun. What? There are Star Wars audiobooks? There are Star Wars books? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. There are so many. There are books about Star What came first? The movies came first. Oh, wow. Is this like fanfic? I I mean, it is essentially like licensed fanfic. Yes. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Is Star Wars just space fanfic? Like if you feel if you just consider the like siblings lost and found and fall in love, like it's just a little weird. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Wars is definitely fantasy with like a coat of science fiction paint over the top of it. I mean, it's basically wizards and fighters in outer space. It's not like (laughs) something like 2001, A Space Odyssey, where it is, you know, really trying to grapple with actual science and the implications of that. So yeah, there's not it doesn't seem very sciencey. But wait, do Luke and Leia actually fall in love? I forget if I'm misremembering. They're brother and sister. I know, but was there like a love story between them? <sighs> there, I mean, it is sort of a little bit there in the very first movie before it was okay. decided that they were brother and sister. It's been so long since I've watched those, um, but I said that and then I was like, am I misremembering this and just making a bold ass claim that like Luke and Leia had a love story? They're twins, actually. That's right. I have a 12-year-old son, so I'm sure that I've watched all of the Star Wars movies more recently than you have. Yeah, I probably haven't watched them since I was 12. And I don't mind. I like think I had fun watching them, but then there were so many. And, you know, I just don't really watch movies that much. And I just don't have a movie memory. I just never remember anything. I know. It's one of my favorite things. I think it's very funny. 
that I don't remember anything ever. Well, specifically movies. Like, movies might as well be going in one eye and out the other. So weird. Like, I did pretty well with I'm thinking of ending things, but I think because I was taking notes and being, like, active with it. And maybe this is what I got to do. I just got to write notes down for movies that I watch and to help me remember them. That sounds like the worst movie watching experience. (laughs) Hold on. Let me get my notebook out. I just don't understand how people can watch a movie and then quote it forever. They've seen it once. Like, I don't get this. I watched a movie with someone the other day and then they quoted it like three days later. And I was like, what's that from? I watched the movie with them. How do you remember that? (laughs) Crazy. Was it the first time they had seen the movie? Yes. It was a new movie. It was The Whale. Oh. Very sad. It looks sad. If you want to cry for the entire two hours of watching a movie, please go hurt yourself and watch The Whale. The new movie I watched recently was Megan, which is very fun. Oh, okay. Because I think I want to watch that because it looks wild. So if it seems fun, if it's fun, then I'm in. It is. It's great. I like that we've talked about everything except for this book. It's a nice fairy tale about a boy who goes to retrieve a falling star for a boring ass girl and instead falls in love with the star. The end. You know, like you said, like the world that they were in was kind of background. I felt like there was... A lot of things that weren't explored like I feel like the characters were super fun but we didn't get like as into them and I wonder if part of my problem is that I watched the movie first where they did kind of create these richer characters we don't hear a lot about what happens on the ship just afterwards he says that the time on the ship was the most fun he'd ever had And so in the movie, I think they show you a little bit of that fun, right? A little bit of like what the crew is like, a stop that they made to trade for lightning. I mean, the ship is a big part of the movie. And it's, I mean, look, I listened to it, so I can't tell you how many pages it was, but I can't imagine it was more than three or four pages in the book. Yeah, it was so short. And I felt like sad about it because he just simply says that it was so fun and then we're off the fucking ship and I can't tell what the timeline is I don't know how long they're anywhere was he on this adventure for like two three years I really like cannot tell it's got to be less than a year because let's see the the book and the movie handle it differently but in the book the fairy market on the other side of the wall happens every nine years right oh And so he's born nine months after the first one. Okay. And then... Wow, you did math? Not really, but I'm doing it right now. (laughs) Because he was born nine months after the first market. Then the market happens again nine years later. And there's like maybe a paragraph about that in the book. And then he crosses the wall... Kind of, you know, he's like 16 or 17 when he crosses over the wall and then he comes back from his whole falling star adventure just in time for the second market after the one where he was born. So he's basically 18 almost. He didn't cross in during the market. That's right. Right. He took the Babylon candle both in the book and the movie to the star. He took the Babylon candle to the star in the book and the movie, but in the book, he crosses over first. Yes. And he meets the little, like, hairy dwarf man who helps him and gives him the Babylon candle. Okay, yeah. In the movie, his dad is like, oh, guess what? Your mom was a fairy and she left you this stuff. Yes. And he gets the Babylon candle. The movie's very interesting because in some ways it's almost beat for beat exactly what happens in the book, but like all of it is like 5% different. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things is in the book, it's Tristran, 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 Trist with an extra R. It's not Tristan. It's is it Tristran. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. But with the English accent from Neil Gaiman, it sounds better. Like I can't do it. Tristran. I can't do it. Nope. Tristran. Nope. Tristan Thorne. Tristan Thorne. Nope. In the movie, it's Tristan, because that's a more palatable name, I I will say. Um, So that's one tiny difference. In the book, he has a mother and a sister, right? Right. And he didn't really, like, have a great relationship with the mother. And in the book, this kind of bothered me that when he found out that he had a different real mother, it wasn't really that shocking. It didn't really matter to him that his, like, mom who's raised him is not his mother 
and she loved him but had like a little bit of weird feelings towards him and he had a sister who I think adored him maybe but I just felt like that was so weird that like reveal of I'm your mother and he's like oh that checks out like for no reason I mean I know he's been gone for a while and he's learning that he knows things like he knows where he's at all the time he's got weird little things going on he's always been a little different oh right I forgot about the part where he always knows where he is and what direction something is in because that's not in the movie either, right? That's only in the book. Actually, it is. They did it at least once when he is pulling Evane along and she's like, you don't even know where you're going. And he's like, it's this way. I don't know why, but I just know it's this way. So they do actually say interesting because I in the book while reading it was like, I don't remember this at all. So I had like clocked it. It wasn't a huge piece, though. I think it was just that once that it was mentioned. Right. In the movie, it's just him and his dad. And so it's really easy to accept that this is his real mother and that there is something different about him. And he finds out before he goes, lights the candle, boom, at the star. In fact, that's how he gets over the wall. Yeah. Is he doesn't try and cross through. How does he cross through in the book? I think he like tricks the guy or like offers him something or while he's asleep goes over like I think what he does is the same thing that his father did all those years ago or something like that it's really similar to that right okay I don't remember exactly I don't either but I know it's different yeah and back on the like characters being really fun I really loved the weird murderous brothers and kind of wish we got a little more of them in the book it was just so funny and in the movie they do a really fun job of them and it seems like they're way more involved in it that just that was really fun to me. They do a whole bait and switch with one of the brothers where it's Secundus is played by Rupert Everett, who you're like, oh, he's famous. He'll be in the movie a lot. And he dies immediately. And his ghost is in it for another like two scenes, barely. Yeah. And the ghosts were really fun. Like, there's just such a silly, like silly thing. And it just felt like we didn't get as much of that. In the book, I also felt like the witch, we'd got a, quite a bit of the witch in the book that was like looking for the star, right? So she could be made young, aka Michelle Pfeiffer in the in the movie. Yeah, but she kind of disappears in the middle, right? Like we get sort of like she's there at the beginning. I mean, I guess this is kind of all we get in the movie too. She's there at the beginning. She's kind of hot on their tracks in the movie. Yeah, that's true. Until they're on the ship. Right. And the ship's like a long period. The thing that I didn't like about the witch in the book is she just surrendered to the star at the end. And that did not seem fitting to the to the character. It's like, well, your heart belongs to him now, so I can't have it. And that was like good night to the witch who had been like wickedly pursuing her. It seems anticlimactic, but also it seems like perfectly fairy tale logic to me because the, that sort of fairy tale language of like your heart belongs to another yeah, metaphors are also like actually true, right? Where like, oh, you gave your heart to him, so I can't steal it from you anymore. Like seems like exactly a fairy tale thing. Yeah. Speaking of which, I thought it was really interesting that that this book starts with that John Donne poem because it's the exact same John Donne poem that is a plot point in the book Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones, which I know Neil Gaiman knows about. I've heard him talk about her and that book. And that book's been around longer than this book. So it's just, it's funny to me that he was like, oh yeah, I'm also going to use <laughs> this poem that's already been used in a fantasy novel. Uh, and I'm going to start my fantasy novel with it. <laughs> I wish I could remember the fucking poem. I think I liked it. And then... In Howl's Moving Castle, this poem is like a spell that's been put on Howl and he has to like do all of the things in this poem to break the spell. Like it's actually part of the plot. That's cute. And here it's just like, ah, you're going to catch a falling star in this book. Right. Yeah. It's just sort of like, oh, here's a here's a poem about a falling star. I'm going to put this at the beginning of my falling star book. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I... I did. I did like it. I think that having seen the movie quite a few times before, because I do love that movie. I just think it's so fun and sweet. And I love uh, Robert De Niro's little cross-dressing pirate. And that was, you know, my introduction to Charlie Cox. And after that makeover, oh, my God. (laughs) Hottie. It took me forever to recognize that it was Charlie Cox. I mean, he was like a baby. Yeah, exactly. He's a baby. And for some reason in my mind... 
I thought it was Nick Stahl because Claire Danes is in it and and Nick Stahl and Claire Danes are both in Terminator 3. Like somehow I got my wires like <laughs> totally crossed and I was like, oh yeah, that's him in Stardust. And it took me like half an hour or more to be like, oh wait, that's Charlie Cox. That's Daredevil. That's so funny. Well, and he's also like kind of so nerdy in Stardust compared to like Daredevil where he's like a fucking sexy superhero. It's true. And also, I don't know if you know, but what was her name that he was in love with? Um, Sienna Miller. Yes. What's her name in the fucking movie? Jesus uh, Christ. Victoria. Victoria. Okay. It took me, for, I didn't actually realize on my own that Victoria's other lover was Henry Cavill. <laughs> yes. I saw that somewhere else and I was like, he he was in Stardust? And I was like, what? He's like the blonde douchebag in Stardust? I have that in my notes with like three exclamation points. Is this Henry Cavill is the jock suitor? Hilarious. I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Is it Cavill or Cavill? I don't know. I've always heard Cavill, but I'm, you know, you can, you can say whatever you want. Look, this is the perils of podcasting is you have to say things out loud that you've never said out loud before. And one of us is wrong. Yeah. So to me, it is fun that he seemed very like a funny character for him in stardust yeah yeah he was actually like doing something as opposed to just being like handsome guy like doing comedy almost (laughs) yeah (laughs) my favorite thing that he's in is mission impossible fallout haven't seen it what come on those movies are great i mean i've seen a mission impossible movie which one dun dun Dun, 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 am I doing it? Those are like Bob's favorite movies. So, so you've seen them all many times. I've seen them a bunch. Yeah. I've seen the first one, I think. I don't know. The first one is medium. Like, look, here's my Mission Impossible movie ranking. Six, four, five, three, one, two. One is like the second worst one. The way that you can remember enough about movies to just off the cuff rank them by just the number in the fucking anthology is absurdly amazing and insane to me. Like, I don't, my brain don't work like this. Why doesn't it? Why can't? (laughs) Look, Bob and I have talked many times about which Mission Impossible movie is our favorite. Um, And really, like... Four, five, and six are the best because that's when Tom Cruise becomes an insane person who does all of his own stunts. (laughs) And they basically, those movies are scripted around, okay, let's just think of like the wildest stunts we can do and then come up with whatever plot to like string them together. Let's figure out the three international cities we want to go to, the three giant stunts we want to do. And then write whatever nonsense to like <laughs> string those things together. That's I, I feel like that's fully how those movies are written. And it's totally fine. They're great. That's the formula for just a pure action movie. Yep. Also, not that I'm going to be in an action movie ever, but like I will not. I will not do those kinds of stunts. I would never do that. Nope. Oh, my God. While we're on this tangent, did you see the recent video that they released from the set of the new Mission Impossible movie. Nope. Is it crazy stunt? I mean, it's basically Tom Cruise like doing an entire like introduction to the movie while standing on the top of a biplane that's like flying in the air. And then at the end of the clip, the plane just like does this fucking nosedive while he's like still on top of it. Is it real? Yeah, it's absolutely real. Fuck that. I, I, I never, I don't care how fucking bungeed in. It's wild. I'm not doing that. This is, you're asking to die. I'm just not trying to do that. I'm just not trying to die. I think that's all he wants is to just like die doing some wild stunt. Somebody relieve him. <laughs> that is a hell of a way to go out. And I think you're absolutely correct. This seems like the way Tom Cruise will go. Sorry, Tom. Tom Cruise dies in space filming Mission Impossible 9. Like, that's literally going to be the, yeah. Has he said he wants to go to space to film a movie? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He did say that? Yes. It's probably not a Mission Impossible movie because I think they're done after 8. But he has definitely talked about literally actually going to space for a space movie. And to think that people train for years and years and years to become an astronaut is very difficult. And Tom Cruise and celebrities are just like, I'm just going to go in a space rocket. Fuck it. He's exactly that kind of person, though. Yes, he fits the mold. 
I watched another behind the scenes video for Mission Impossible 7 where he has to do some he's basically like jumping a motorcycle like off a cliff and then like he like opens a parachute. Basically Tom Cruise spent forever learning how to precisely ride this motorcycle so that they could like get the camera right next to him and like it's wild. Oh my god, this gives me like so much secondhand anxiety. I'm dying. I can't believe I, why would you do that? Ugh. Also, tangent, tangent, real quick. Yeah. I had a friend that worked for NASA, and he was tall, like 6'4 or something, and so he could not be an astronaut because he wouldn't fit, but he had, like, literally always wanted to. He worked hard to do that, so he's just, like, a rocket scientist that doesn't get to go to space. Sad. But his girlfriend one time, we were just talking, and she was like, yeah, we were at, like, a NASA event, and you know all those astronauts are all like so tiny and I was like no I would never have known that I would never have thought of that but (laughs) Tom Cruise small man he could fit in a tight space it totally makes sense to me once you mention it but I had never really thought about it yeah there's such a premium on space and weight Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff when going into space I guess that makes sense I just hadn't thought about it yeah All right, back to Stardust. (laughs) Astronauts are tiny. (laughs) Astronauts are tiny. That's our next t-shirt. Astronauts are tiny. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. What else? Do you have anything else about the book that you wanted to kind of get into? It was just a nice fairy tale story that had the happy ending that we all hope for. Oh, I have one. Okay. In the book, Tristran... Tristran. Tristran. Whatever. Evane is immortal. Stars don't die. Um, but Tristan is a man, so he will. And in the book, he does. And she goes on to like, doesn't she just kind of live there forever? And t- she ends up taking over, maybe? Oh. Well, okay. I have two different things I'm thinking of. I don't remember exactly what happens at the end of the book. But yeah, he dies and she doesn't. But then uh, do their kids rule the kingdom? I don't. Do they have kids? I don't remember. In the book, they can't have kids. Right, because she's a star, not a person. Yeah. But I feel like in the movie, they gloss that over or they even explicitly say that they have kids. Yeah, in the movie, they have kids and they together live to raise their, I think, great grandkids or watch them grow up. And then they both take the last of the Babylon candle into the stars where they like look over the kingdom forever. Like he's also now somehow immortal with her or something of the sort. Or he's uh, suffocating in the middle of space. He's dead. Um, Also another difference in the book, uh, which this to me made more sense, but when it was time to like rule, Tristan and Yvain were coming back to the kingdom to take over and they both bounced. And they went and adventured for a little longer. So Tristan's mom actually ruled the kingdom and was like a great ruler and really wonderful. And I just thought that was like very true to the characters. Like adventure was kind of at the heart of it. Like they really loved having their adventures. There was a lot of adventures they went on. Right. So it makes sense that they wanted to go do more of that. Um, And then they came back. And then in the movie, the parents get back together. And then him and Tristan, Tristan, Annie Vane go on to rule. And they have a big wedding in front of everybody who can suddenly come over. I don't get that. Like, let's invite the city of Wall into Stormhold for the wedding to make everyone, what, jealous? Uh, They didn't make as big of a deal about crossing the wall in the movie. Other than Dunstan and Tristan both were, like, not allowed by the guard to go. But they didn't, like set out the rules about crossing the wall the way that they did in the book, where the book was like, no one is ever allowed to cross the wall except for the one time every nine years that the fairy market sets up in the meadow, right? Like that was kind of explicitly the deal in the book. But I still don't think you're supposed to go there. 
I think you're right, but they never really laid out what the deal was with not going there. Yeah. In the movie. They just were like, don't go over there. Yeah. And in the movie, they had the same old man always watching it where he's like, when your father tried to cross, right? And then he finally was like, no one told me about what's going on on the other side. Like, fuck this. Threw his chair up and decided he's not watching the wall anymore. So maybe that's how they got everyone over where they're like, fuck this. What are we protecting? Um, but in the book, it was like people take turns looking over the wall. Right. Yeah. In the book, there was explicitly like a, you know, a 24 hour guard on the wall that like everyone in the town took turns doing. Yeah. And in the movie, there was sort of they just sort of glossed that over. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not that important. I don't know. <laughs> what did you prefer? Did you have a preference between the book and the movie here? That's a good question. I also actually um, flipped through the illustrated version, which I didn't know that originally the illustrated version was the first version of the book, which also might explain why kind of some of the stuff is not like as as kind of rudimentary. Yeah, it's not described as much in the novel as maybe you would think is because it was initially written as an illustrated book. Because the illustrated version there, it's not like a comic book, like, you know, some of Neil Gaiman's things like Sandman, but it is like fully illustrated. Like there's something on almost every page. Okay. Which, yeah, I didn't know. I just, I knew it as a novel. It wasn't until I heard his interview at the end of the audiobook that I that I knew that it was initially an illustrated book. Published by DC Comics, which I thought was interesting too. Oh, I'm so fascinated by this. But did it have all the same amount of text with the illustrations? He said in that interview that it's slightly different, but not not much. The illustrations are really great. I like them a lot. And I, I you know, I at first I was like, oh, I should read all of this in the illustrated version. And I was like, you already listened to this and this is a whole fucking novel. Like, you're not going to you're not going to read this again. When uh, Neil was talking about it in the epilogue, uh, the interview with him, which I thought was lovely, but I also was like, oh, an illustrated version. I want to look at this. And and then I forgot to do that. So good on you for looking at it. <laughs> yeah, no, you should check it out. It's um, they have it like on you can look at like the digital version, like on Kindle oh, or cool. Comixology or whatever. It's pretty easy to Ooh, find. Like just a sample. Mm hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Did you let you listen to the whole interview with him then? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought he was really lovely. Um, the way he was talking about, you know, his attention to like words in the books and every word is in some cases he knows every word because it was there on purpose. And yeah, I wonder like what his how he feel. What, do you, what would he say about Stardust, you know, about the words in the book? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good interview. I liked it. I don't know. Yeah, he's always a really interesting speaker, I feel like. Yeah. While we were deciding to do this, one of the things I looked up was the YouTube video of him reading his uh, short story, Click Clack the Rattlebag. Is that the one you sent me? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just feel like I could listen to him read forever. Like, it was just a nice voice. One of the things I loved about that video is the very top comment on the video is, who else is here for school? <laughs> I like that this, that, you know, Neil Gaiman's been around long enough and he's well known enough that kids are reading his short stories Aww. in school. Because when I was a kid, you know, he was mostly just sort of like the guy who wrote the Sandman comics. Like the Sandman that's on TV right now? Yeah, 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 yeah. The one that's on Netflix. Oh. Yeah, that's his. Yeah, I started watching that and I forgot about it. I totally forgot it existed, in, actually, because there's too many TV shows. So fucking many TV shows. I love TV. <laughs> I'm a fan. Anything else about the book or should we move on to ratings? Oh, I thought it was crazy that Peter O'Toole was the king uh, and in it for like all of two minutes. <laughs> And then Ricky Gervais as the weird guy buying the lightning from Robert De Niro, just being himself. Yes. 
the frog voice or whatever the fuck that was a bird squawking i don't actually remember i i feel like initially it was bird noises and then it became like all sorts of animal noises yeah i thought that that witch is i forget her name it's like lem some weird ass name her spells were very fun like very well done every time like and right thorough you know you will not see the star you will not sense the star's presence you will not hear it speak like nothing is missed when when that bitch casts a spell, you're going down. Oh, yeah, she means it. She fucking means it. Are we ready? Are we ready to rate this book? Yeah, let's rate this bitch. What'd you give it? I gave it six out of seven whatevers. I don't know. Yep. What uh, Are they stars? stars? What are they? What are we? I don't, th- I don't think we decided. Just out of seven. Brains? <laughs> <laughs> six. Six things. Six stardusts out of seven. Ooh, i gave it 5.4 out of seven. Oh, okay what's what's wrong with me maybe it was because of the movie but i did just want more i always want more when am i ever satisfied <sighs> but i just felt like we had such a great cast of characters that they didn't play around with a lot and it was kind of like going through the motions of the adventure instead of like taking us on the adventure with them in some ways, like the boat, for example. It's like, and then we went on a boat for a while and it was the most fun I ever had. Right. Yeah, 5.4 out of 7 was my rating. All right. What is that on average? 5.7 out of 7, I think. You're doing math today, not me. (laughs) All right, fair enough. The audible rating was 4.6 out of 5. Oh, that's high. I forgot it was not out of seven. I was like, wow. Yeah, that's really high. The audiobook was lovely. It was really lovely to listen to. He's got a great voice. The little magical music every once in a while was super nice. Um, And the Goodreads rating was 4.1 out of five. All right. Speaking of Goodreads, I have some Bad Reads reviews for us. Um, This is interesting because only 1% of readers on Goodreads have given this one star. So many people have read this and reviewed it that that's still like 4,000 reviews. Wow. 4,000 one-star reviews. Common threads, uh, lots of complaints about the sex and violence in like a sweet fairy tale, even though Gaiman has explicitly said that he wrote this as a fairy tale for adults. I'm sorry, what was the sex? Just Dunstan and the fairy at the beginning? Was there other sex? I mean, that at the beginning, and then uh, one of the brothers gets killed... Uh, he gets poisoned after having sex with some woman in, in an inn. But they, like, just talk about it. They don't show it, right? Well, I mean, it's a book, so they're not oh. showing anything. <sighs> it's all talking about stuff. <laughs> but they don't, they just, like, mention that that's how he died. They don't, like, go through the details of it. Or do they? I, I mean, it's not, like, super, it's not, like, explicit, but it's also not, like, it's also pretty clear what's happening. Okay, so they do go through the scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Anyway, so here we go. Okay. Here are okay. here are some one-star reviews. Here's one from Kate. I'm disappointed. I thought it would be more good. <laughs> okay, Kate. Thank you. Did she say more? That's it. Thought it would be more good. <laughs> um, here's another one. This one is interesting, especially considering how you and I have talked about this book the whole time. Uh, one of those scenarios where I enjoyed the film more than the book, the ending of the novel was just too sad for me. Was the ending of the novel sad? I don't remember it being sad at all, except that, like, <laughs> he dies except eventually. The, yeah, like, they can't actually be together forever because he's mortal and she's not. And then she lives alone forever? Okay. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand, but that's what Rachel said. That was Rachel's one-star review. No one cried. We didn't cry, Rachel. (laughs) Here's one from Groovy Summer. I'm so sad to rate a book from Neil Gaiman this low, but I hated every page in this book. Sad face emoji. Girl. And then one more, one more from Betty. Insert the world's biggest eye roll. I love bad reads. It's maybe my favorite because we've just discussed all the ways that we so far have enjoyed the book and maybe things we don't love about it. But bad reads are just like, I fuck, I hated every fucking page of this garbage. And we're like, okay, <laughs> that's dramatic. <laughs> I thought it would be more good. I thought it would be That more good. might be my favorite one. I probably should have saved that one for the end, but that was the order that I wrote them down in. So um, I have to tell you, before I got on this today, 
speaking of cool brains, well, I was thinking about them because of my cool brain. I just, I guess, was on my own tangent in my head. My bad. Before the podcast, I wolfed down some tinned fish and momofuku and <laughs> crackers. And we can now say for for like three months now, I've just been kicking it with the tinned fish. I don't know if this is a hyperfixation. I think I just like it. This is just one of your special foods? Maybe. I mean, it's just so convenient. Right. It's so easy to eat. Speaking of convenient, I finally bought the Kroger brand Chili Crisp today, and I tried it. It's good. It's not as good as the Momofuku, but it's also only $5, so... That's good, because Momofuku is 12 for reference. Right. I'm almost out of mine, too, but I need to get through our other Chili Crunch that we have from... Barnacle? Barnacle? Yeah. Yeah. It's different. It's good, though. There's a plug. Barnacle Foods. Their hot sauce is really good, and it has seaweed in it. Yeah, the hot sauce is really good. And then the chili crunch is pretty good, but you might as well get the momofuku. It's really magical. I don't know. Something about it. I know. There is. And that, yeah, they're both really good. And speaking of that that barnacle hot sauce, I gave a bottle of that to my brother-in-law for Christmas. And he texted me and he was like, it's really good. It's also so hot. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I think it's hot. It's not like not hot, but I was just surprised. Like I think of him as you know, being one of those like Texas ass blaster hot sauce type people. Oh my God. And I guess maybe he's not. So (laughs) why do they always name hot sauce something fucking (laughs) stupid like that? That is not even a joke. There's like a hot sauce store at the Grove. It's all like floor to ceiling hot sauces. And like half of them are named things like ass blaster by like Dr. Asshole or something like (laughs) Jesus. It doesn't make me want to try it. Like, that seems painful, personally. Right. Ring of Fire brand hot sauce. That can't even be a lie. That's probably a real hot sauce you've tried. (laughs) I haven't tried it, but I would guarantee that there's one called that. Oh, my God. Um, You know I make hot sauces, and I made one that was really, really fucking spicy. Apple cinnamon habanero. But I did, like, 14 habaneros because I... It's a hot sauce. It's like a concentrate. And I had my friend try that one the other day and a cranberry jalapeno one. And he was like, the cranberry jalapeno is good, spicy. And I'm like, oh, it's it's not really that spicy. The apple cinnamon habanero, which, by the way, my pride enjoyed. That's like the best thing I've ever created. Everybody that's tried it is like, wow, that's so cool. So good. So interesting. It's so good. He was like, that's so bad. It's too hot. It's so bad. And I was like, um, it is spicy, but you can appreciate the flavors. And he was like, no, bad. I thought he liked spice. Turns out, no, can't handle it. Baby. Some people, maybe like your brother-in-law, like think they like spice, but they can't handle it. It is spicy, but I was just surprised that he was like, it's so hot. It's not that spicy. Yeah, it's not that spicy. You know, for someone who makes her own hot sauces constantly because I'm like mad scientisting right now. I just want to make things. I don't know what's up with me. I never think to put hot sauce on my food. Really? <laughs> I have like a fridge full of hot sauces that I've made that people have gifted me that I've just like bought because they sound good. And like I only think about it for like a breakfast burrito. <laughs> Yeah, I am always like, hmm, what can I put sauce on when I'm making food? Yeah. It's like a priority. And I love sauce. Like at a restaurant, they give me sauce. I'm like, give me more. So I need to start thinking about putting sauce on my food more. (laughs) I gotta get a little saucy. (laughs) Have you beat your eighth in the world on the game where you were eighth in the world? Oh, my God. It's exactly what I predicted. I achieved the the thing that I thought I wanted to achieve, and I've I have not touched it for like over a month. Ah, a true hyperfixation. Yes, <laughs> I am still playing Marvel Snap every day, so that one has stuck. But the boxing, not so much. Not to like call you out, but like just gonna say <laughs> that I saw you commented on like Marvel Snap Los Angeles group facebook or something (laughs) hilarious i love that that's public that's exactly what i want fucking facebook (laughs) should we pick a book let's pick a book um i only have one suggestion this time it's a court of thorns and roses okay what's that 
It's by Sarah J. Maas. I'm not a thousand percent sure what it is. It's a book that keeps showing up in a, like a book group I'm in on Facebook. Um, and from what I've gathered, it's a horny fantasy novel series. So horny fantasy novel series. So like grown up stardust. Yes, maybe. I don't know. Someone also said she's like the new Colleen Hoover. Also, it's like five books. So maybe this is a road we don't want to go down yet. But uh, I'm also not opposed to starting a series sometime that we can kind of like come back and read the books throughout if we liked the first one. That is a fun idea. I like that, too, at some point. (laughs) Can you (laughs) can you hear Bob yelling in the background? Yes. Is he winning something? (laughs) I'm sure he's, yeah, I'm sure he's winning at some video game and is like on FaceTime with his friends, just like screaming. Uh, We need to do a book that Bob would like to read so that he can be on the podcast with us. I keep trying to convince him to be on the podcast. I think uh, I found a copy of World War Z in a little free library and I gave it to him and I think I can convince him to read it which I think that would be a fascinating book to do with him. We also went to the library book sale over the weekend. I know I picked out Sphere by Michael Crichton, which I loved when I was his age. And also The Lost World by Michael Crichton, which he hasn't read Jurassic Park. So Jurassic Park is a book? (laughs) Yes, Jurassic Park is a book. Originally? Yes, originally. Although, yes and no, in the sense that, like, Michael Crichton is mostly an author, but as soon as he came up with the idea theme park with dinosaurs, I think he also, like, sold it as a movie almost, like, immediately, like, before the book was finished. Okay, into that in the future, we have to try not to do books that are movies for a minute. I think we've done that a lot lately. Maybe not. But I I added Jurassic Park to the future list and World War Z with Bob once we can convince him because I remember I had wanted to read that. Yeah, let's do World War Z with Bob. I'll convince him. I'll make him listen to the audiobook or something if he won't sit down and read it. And he doesn't have to do the whole podcast with us. He could do like a Bob portion where we're chatting with him about it. And then he can go and we can finish talking about whatever else we want. I mean, it'd be fun if he stayed for the whole thing. I agree. You know, whatever he wants. Yeah. I think minimum we should have him record like five minutes about his thoughts. Just without us? No, I want to talk with him. (laughs) No. (laughs) I want to hear him converse. Okay, fair enough. But, you know, we'll see. Well, we can start small. Um, I do have one suggestion. I saw one of my friends post about this on one of the internets. Uh, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. They just said, this absolutely wrecked me. And I guess maybe I was feeling like I wanted to hurt myself again. I don't know why I would choose to be absolutely wrecked. But it seems... A bit interesting. It's like a story of two friends that spans across decades and they're like into gaming and become game designers. Yes, I have heard about this book and everything I have heard leads me to believe I will hate it. (laughs) So let's do it. Oh, yeah. You want to do it because you'll hate it? (laughs) Yes. Come on. We've done two in a row that we liked. This is true. All right. Also, maybe I'll love it. Maybe you'll love it. I wonder what I would hate. I already know. Like, don't make me do like a biography. I don't want to read real things. So when we do have to read real things, I will struggle. I don't want to read real things. I only want to live in the fake. Hilarious. Okay? That's really our next t-shirt. I don't want to read real things. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. That's a good one. All right, so we will do Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin because Corey will hate it. It's 416 pages, which is about 13 hours and 52 minutes if you choose to do the audiobook. All right. Can you get through almost 14 hours of something that you're certain you're going to hate? You're really coming into this hot. I'm going to hate it. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll love it. Um, But yeah, look, I'll crank it up to 5X and blast it into my mind. 5X? (laughs) I would never listen to something that fast. Is that an option? Uh, no, probably not. 
I mean, two and a half times already sounds insane. That's true. I don't know how you do it. This is the ADHD brain that like, I don't, I mean, I haven't tried it really. I heard, I think I already mentioned this, but I heard it when Corey sent me a screen recording of something while he was listening to something at two and a half times in the background. Oh, right. So I could hear how it sounded. And I was like, oh my God, is this how you listen to the books? Yeah, that's how I live my life. I mean, today I was listening to a book and I had to rewind it like four times at the same part because I kept not listening. Like every single day I ask Alexa, how's the weather today? And just don't fucking listen. Do you know how many times I have to be like, fuck, I wasn't paying attention. Let me ask her again. Fuck, I wasn't paying attention. Why do I even ask? Just it's L.A. Who cares? To me, speeding it up solves that problem. For me, I check out less because it's happening faster and I have to pay 10% more attention to it. I can't huh. like zone out as much. All right. You've twisted this on me and now mm. I'm curious. I does do the voices get a little higher pitched? <laughs> um it depends on what program you're using. I feel like some of them are kind of managed to solve for that somehow and some of them don't. So, it just sort of depends. I'm going to try that for tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And tomorrow. And I'll let you know how it goes. All right. Let's do it. That was the ADHD Book Club podcast. You can follow us on the internets at, at ADHD Book Club Pod. Mostly just on Instagram. Yeah. that's our. We have that Twitter handle too, don't we? But nobody is tweeting anything. Really not trying to tweet. <laughs> the state of Twitter <laughs> right now is... But you never know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll tweet when we actually start doing stuff. Maybe. What are you sniffing? I'm sorry. <laughs> I have a tomato plant in a jar and this fell off and it smells so good. Oh yeah. Like tomatoes. It looks like it would smell good. All right, signing off. <laughs> Thanks to the last skeptic for music. Thank you. Until next time. That's a podcast. Goodbye. Thank you.